0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Z-Prime on the Grid, our show about issues concerning the energy industry. I am your host, Dylan Lockwood. Just a few laundry items before we get to the show. We have a plethora of events coming up in the next couple of months across the country that I wanted to talk about. Our first one is the City of the Future Conference, November 25th and 26th in San Antonio, Texas. We partnered with CPS Energy to bring you a conference about what cities will look like in the future and how the needs of their people will be met. For more information, go to cityofthefuture.io. We're also presenting the WE3 Summit with Smart Energy Water, March 15th in Palo Alto, California. This conference focuses on the water-energy nexus and how both types of utilities can come together to provide better customer experiences. For more info, visit we3summit.com. That's W-E, the number three, summit.com. Finally, our flagship event, Energy Thought Summit 2019, is going to be April 15th through 18th in Austin, Texas. You know ETS, where the brightest voices in the energy industry come together to discuss trends and solutions in a forward-thinking environment. For more, go to ets19.co. That's ets19.co. Also, please forgive my voice in this. I was fighting a cold at the time of recording. So let's get into the show. We've got uh, two fantastic members of the Z Prime team on to talk about uh, something really topical. PG and E, as I'm sure many of our listeners know, over the last uh, over the last couple of weeks, over the last couple of uh, over the last couple of months, in fact, over a year, has been having a hard time with the wildfires in California. Some of which have, are their fault, some of which aren't. But the financial problems have have been building up into an issue where they're on the verge of bankruptcy here and here to discuss it. We've got research analyst Aaron Hardick. How are you doing today, Aaron?
1: I'm doing well, Dylan. I'm excited to talk about this. I'm also reading a book by Richard Munson titled From Edison to Enron, (laughs) The Business of Power and What It Means for the Future of Electricity. So I hate to bring Enron up, but it's California. So I guess my my reading, my, my fun reading is also pretty relevant to today's discussion.
0: You're right. It, it, it doesn't feel good to raise the specter of, some, of something so infamous, but given the the nature of, of utilities as these kinds of, quote unquote, too big to fail businesses, it does sort of bring, bring to mind the, uh, those sorts of stories. We also, of course, have uh, Senior Director of Content, Chris Moyer, back on the show. How are you doing today, Chris?
2: Dylan, I am well and looking forward to talking about this really challenging time for PG&E and the entire power industry with uh, the two of you today.
0: Chris, can you give us just a quick overview uh, of the situation of how we got here?
2: Well, uh, as the old saying goes, it it happened uh, over a long period of time and then all at once. Uh, This has been an issue for Pacific Gas and Electric that has bedeviled them all the way uh, since the San Bruno incident uh, back in in the late 2000s, where a gas pipeline, a gas uh, part of their, their grid actually exploded and, and killed several people. Uh, and that incident really set off a a series of, regulatory restrictions from the California Public Utilities Commission that, that put Pacific Gas and Electric under the microscope. And subsequently, over the past few years, following several years of drought in California, multiple devastating and truly sad uh, wildfires have, have occurred inside the Pacific Gas and Electric Territory. Some of those wildfires were caused through no fault of PG&E. And and some of them, uh, as it appears, this most recent and most destructive fire, the campfire uh, that occurred late in 2018, were the fault of some PG&E equipment. And in this particular instance related to the campfire, it appears that a transmission line was not de de-electr- electrified in time as it was uh, as it uh, came down, sparking a wildfire that, that ripped through Northern California, unfortunately uh, destroying huge swaths of forest, uh, people's homes, people's businesses, and uh, and causing uh, a great loss of life. So a, a truly terrible um, incident, but one that um, that is now coming to, to a head where PG&E is on the brink of bankruptcy. Their, their CEO, uh, Geisha Williams, has just stepped down. Regulators, federal government officials, state-level officials in California are trying to figure out how best to move forward so that somebody is operating the grid in northern California and what the shape and the future of Pacific Gas and Electric actually looks like
0: moving forward. Aaron, how much of this can really be attributed to like mismanagement and how much of it is enti- was entirely unavoidable?
1: That's a hard question to answer, Dylan. But I mean I, I think that there are there is a, a part of mismanagement associated with this. It's unlikely that that's not part of the equation here. Um, But I was actually talking to another utility professional um, last week and he said something along the lines of, quote, like, "I, I just feel bad for them because they have so many miles of transmission. Um, so much infrastructure that yeah it really is just that one spark uh, that could set things off and so I I don't know how much of it is mismanagement but there also is I, w- I would think that there's um, this large notion coming into play of not really realizing the full effects of your actions or lack thereof because it could be kind of hard to conceptualize what it really means if you don't go out and look at the vegetation around one mile of your service territory that you just happened to forget about or you didn't prioritize because for whatever reason. And that was in that mile is where that spark happened. So I, I don't know Dylan, I think it's just such a huge issue and there are so many different things to look at and how they all culminated and came together to kind of put PG&E in the situation that it's in. So I don't know the mismanagement question is hard. Chris, what do you what do you think about it? Have you talked to other utility professionals and tried to gain their perspectives on this situation?
2: Yes, I mean it is impossible to escape this discussion right now in the utility industry, and it it it's actually extended far beyond just the utility industry. This would be a, a monumental uh, bankruptcy and occurrence in in uh, American business history. Uh, in addition to the a- absolutely tragic loss of life caused by the campfire, I, I think that. As as we reflect on, on this and and why this is important, EGE has been making significant strides to try to upgrade and modernize their grid uh, through sensors and asset management software systems. They had been doing all of the right things to try to prevent this type of thing from occurring. The problem that most directly precipitated this type of event is is twofold. One, the speed with which they were doing it and the cost of, of undertaking such a challenge to upgrade so many different parts of their grid at the same time is, is particularly difficult. And then there is, there is the mitigating circumstance that this type of occurrence Uh, whether it's in PGE service territory or Southern California Edison or dozens of other utility utility territories around the United States, Canada, the globe, are going to be impacted by the the effects of of climate change. And I I think that it is naive to to sit here and, and not say that the conditions that make a wildfire more prevalent are caused by uh, drought conditions that are increasing due to climate change and if it 's not a forest fire, there are other utilities that could be be liable for for people's property or life in other natural disasters that that might occur as a result of changes to our our global climate so a bit of mismanagement it's it's a bit of uh, of acts beyond the, the control of, of any one individual corporation or, or, or person.
1: I just wanted to add one more thing on to that, Chris. As you were talking about it, it made me think about this presentation that I watched last year at ITRON Utility Week um, from this man, John Lane, who was an astronaut and actually worked on Challenger and one of his lessons learned from challenger was that risk has no memory risk is not diminished as a function of your success in, t- in taking the risk and this kind of um kind of makes me think about utilities in the terms of that risk has no memory if they have been appropriately mitigating risk over the past 10 20 years in their minds, the changing environment is no longer going to allow their strategies to appropriately mitigate risk anymore. So you have to change because the environment and just because you have been doing this successfully, which some would argue they haven't been doing this successfully in the past, doesn't mean that you can continue to kind of turn a blind eye or not address the situation because it's working or has previously worked.
2: That's such a great point the baseline is changing it has changed and what we do to make our grid resilient whether it's from cyber attacks natural disasters you name it that has to change with it the impact that, uh, that utilities like PG&E have on communities on the natural environment is immense and so uh, how we prevent these these terrible incidences from happening uh, is going to take some serious uh, consideration from regulators, from from business business leaders, uh, from from policymakers, um, to to prevent this type of thing from ever happening again.
0: Obviously, the fires are the most painful part for the people of California you know because people have died people have lost their homes and even if you haven't it's just made living in california hell for a lot of people but um the fire let's just put the fires aside for a second and go talk about the actual like notion of one of the largest utilities in the country filing for bankruptcy that sounds like a big that sounds like a big deal but they've done this before Uh, And during 2001, during the California energy crisis, they got chapter, they filed for chapter 11 protection there. So is this, is the, is the bankruptcy aspect of this actually that big a deal? Um, Is it, especially with, you know, if they file for bankruptcy, will they just come come back and be able to hold off debtors for a little while?
1: No, Dylan, I don't think that it necessarily means that PG&E just, files for bankruptcy and they kind of cover their butts and pay off their debts. There's a lot of talk about how do you actually restructure what is going to be the next version of PG&E. I don't, it's not going to be this large IOU, but you have to continue to serve those customers. You don't just not serve all of PG&E's customers while this is going on. What for me, not like 4 million people are just going to not get their energy. So there has to be, there's been talks around, you know, how do you actually create this new version of PG&E? Some people are saying that it may be a municipality that the the government is considering purchasing PG&E's assets and PG&E becomes pretty much a muni. That would be pretty interesting given um, that they have the, the CCAs, in california that would then be using the infrastructure from the municipality creating um, an interesting type of like public sort of partnership so they i don't know dylan to answer your question outright no i don't think it's just going to be pg e 2.0 slightly revised i think it's going to be pg e 2.0 completely different organization um but how they do that i'm not quite sure so, I mean, that's my perspective in terms of, you know, how, what PG&E is going to look like after. But, Chris, it really, this impacts the market in other ways and impacts other people, other other industries. Um, what exactly, what kind of impact is this going to have on the market in the long run for other utilities?
2: Yeah, that's a great Great question and a great perspective. First, I, I just want to say that I think your analysis of what PG&E could look like coming out of bankruptcy is, is very interesting and, and I think uh, could be fairly clairvoyant, uh, regardless of what happens uh, during bankruptcy in the organization. This, that You're you spot on that this is going to have a, a monumental impact on on the, the the structure of how the grid is operated in northern california and all the communities that pg&e serves in in addition to that uh to to answer your secondary question i think that this could have some really troubling consequences to a variety of industries related to the the delivery of power i i think that this will have This potentially could have an impact on electric vehicles. PG&E has been a leader over the last few years in their service territory of uh, of deploying electric, uh, of of incentivizing people to purchase electric vehicles. What's going to happen to those programs? Uh, PG&E has also been a leader when it comes to renewable energy and the deployment of renewable energy and the purchasing of of solar and wind, uh, what's gonna happen to those power purchase agreements? If PG&E declares bankruptcy, you have a series of, of power purchase agreements that have been occurring for over a decade related to solar and wind, uh, when the the price of megawatt per hour was significantly higher than what solar and wind is is now currently being purchased by utilities. Well, those contracts have weight. If PG&E uh, purchased a contract in 2012 for $140 per megawatt hour, uh, and that is you know almost three times, three four times what what they could get now, bankruptcy uh, administrators could come in and nullify those contracts uh if if i am the company that's providing that that power to pg and e and their customers um, that's going to have a really devastating impact on my bottom line uh, and could cause the price of, of future solar installations future wind installations to go up that that could that could have a ripple effect that causes the price of solar and wind to, to go up and maybe disincentivizes other utilities from making those uh, those purchase agreements in the short to medium term, just at the exact same time that we that we as a as a country probably need to be shifting more and more to solar and wind.
0: Yeah, and it 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 really on the, on the flip side of that also uh, makes it makes life harder for those uh, for those startups and for those. Those partners that work with PG and E, and then suddenly just like they're out of contract because because of this bankruptcy stuff, um, and it might make them, and it might make them, you know, less willing to make these sorts of big utility deals in the future if you know they can turn around and get get hosed like that. Chris, you were sort of talking earlier about how people in both the state government and the federal government are sort of um, are looking at this, at this situation. And like you said, Aaron, you know, it's really hard in these situations where utility is going under because you have to, you know, you still have to be providing power to, you still have to be providing power to your, to your uh, customers. And you have to deal with all that restructuring. So like what sort of governmental, uh, for lack of a better word, inter interference or, uh, Intervention. There we go. Uh, Interven. What, what type of government intervention could we be looking at? Is there something like a bailout on the table, or other types of financial assistance, or is it? Do you think there's going to be more hands-off sort of approach?
1: In terms of a, a government bailout, I, I personally, I hope not. Um, I don't think that is the solution. I think this is. Um, after talking with one of our our other coworkers, Ying, it's a natural cycle for industry, especially one that is undergoing such a transformation. We see, we saw this with telecom. Companies went under. New companies emerged. Better ways. They were more innovative. And so I don't want to see a government bailout here. Um, I think that there just needs to be a natural cycle of competition and, and restructuring. And I don't know what role regulation is going to play in that exactly, but I would say that I'm pretty definitive that I don't think that there should be a, a bailout.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna disagree right there, and and I, I do respect Aaron's perspective on this, but I think that we need to examine the potential large scale impact that a bankruptcy without some sort of protection for PGE their suppliers, whether it's a uh, somebody that does asset management for them, or uh, helps them build transmission lines, or somebody that helps them uh, run customer support and, and service, we need to help protect these companies uh, from the ripple effects of the second largest utility in the country going under. And Aaron makes a great point about. Uh, Certain telecom companies going into bankruptcy, coming out, reorganized, restructured, new companies coming in. The telecom deregulation, by and large, has been a good thing. But I also look at what happened with the automotive industry. And it's not apples to apples. The automotive industry is is much, much bigger. GM and, and, and Chrysler being bailed out by the government in the late 2000s. Uh, that was orders of magnitude, uh, bigger in terms of its, its scope of people that were employed throughout the economy by, uh, GM, Chrysler, and their hundreds of suppliers. Their hundreds of dealers around the country. Um, that, that was, w- without that bailout, uh, the 2008 recession could have been much, much larger. I look at a an environment right now where, if we don't do something to protect co- uh, the contracts of uh, solution providers, vendors, uh, support systems for PG&E, uh, coupled with the potential global impact of of Brexit and a No Deal Brexit, coupled with the impact and of the more than a month long government shutdown which which does appear to be coming to an end, uh, these three contributing factors could cause a a downturn in in the uh, the power market just when we need more funds, more capital investment to to push through this this digital transformation, this decarbonized revolution i 'm not saying that Dollar for dollar, everything that PG&E is liable for is paid for by California taxpayers or, or taxpayers from the United States. That's not the right solution either. But I think we need to be very strategic before we just immediately say, "Hey, PG&E, you, you've messed up beyond repair, and uh, you're in trouble. You're going to, you are going to sink, and all of those all of those companies that you had contracts with." Uh you know ten cents twenty cents on the dollar uh that's the best they're gonna do
1: of course, you sitting in Detroit are gonna bring up the automobile <laughs> industry. I would expect nothing less from you, but i yeah okay i mean i I see your point, but so i I think that there needs to be a better way for regulators to understand and account for the infrastructure issues that all utilities face. PG&E was just in the spotlight also because of their um, environment that they're in. Right now, it's really hard to pass regulations that allow utilities to be innovative in the monitoring and diagnostic space for assets to really get a good understanding of what is going on with their large ser- service in their large service territory. So there needs to be work done in that respect Dylan. So I think that's the role that policy is going to play. If California can emerge with some type of framework around asset monitoring and diagnostic and he- diagnostics and health and how to come, emerge with a framework of how to do that in a way that avoids this issue in, in the future for not just California utilities, but other utilities that have similar problems, but not the exact same, that would be monumental and really helpful in moving the industry forward, because we know that this is such an issue for utilities, maybe not just, it's not just focused around fires, but how does weather impact utilities and their assets, and how can utilities be innovative in protecting their assets from the changing environment?
2: Aaron, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And um, I, already, Governor Newsom has proposed spending an additional $105 million on preventing, fighting, and responding to wildfires in the state. And you so rightly pointed out that this is an issue that, that goes beyond wildfires. This is a, a, a total grid resilience issue. Uh, a cyber attack uh, that impacted large large swaths of the grid could cause uh, horrific devastation, uh, a, an earthquake, an, a hurricane. We saw what happened in Puerto Rico. So it's not just wildfires, but at least in terms of the, the California incident, it, it's clear that that lawmakers, uh, both the governor and the legislature, are prioritizing how to prevent these types of fires from happening in the future. And that 105 million dollars would focus on uh, aggressive use of de-energizing power lines at times of high fire risk. And that, that that's uh, a combination of extreme drought, uh, high winds. Um, hot temperatures that that can exacerbate those conditions that could lead to uh, these uh, uh, an occur an occurrence like what we saw in the campfire uh th- this is this is challenging uh it, it could cause some level of disruption to service but this is exactly the type of uh, forward-thinking measure that uh coming out of governor newsom's office that that the that many utilities should probably start to embrace to prevent this kind of large scale tragedy happening again
0: i think it's interesting that aaron brought up like that you know chris has this has this perspective on certain perspective on bailouts because he lives in detroit i would also say that aaron would also has a certain view on how a utility on sort of a utility bailout because she lives in a state where that's where utilities are actually allowed to be competitive more than they are in in other states. So uh, it's an interesting way of of coloring these sorts of these sorts of discussions. It also uh for, forgive me if I'm wrong on this but it also sounds like part of the problem is just what the relationship between uh a government and an IOU is. Like if PG&E was just a was publicly owned we wouldn't really would we really be having this conversation with, the, or would the the government have already stepped in because they already own, because they are the ones who own all these assets and all that sort of thing? That's a great question. I mean, if this happened, if Smud, for
2: instance, next door neighbors to PG&E and Smud's a great utility, uh, they have so many wonderful people that that uh, are, are focused on preventing this type of thing. But if it's, if this happened in a Smud. District. What would happen to the city of Sacramento? I mean, we're talking a bankruptcy uh, that that would would dwarf the size of of any bankruptcy municipal bankruptcy we've ever seen. So that's a that's a great hypothetical question. I I don't have the answer to it, uh, other than to say that 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 would that would be uh, a truly horrific uh, occurrence for for that city um and and one that i'm not sure a city could come back from
1: i agree with you chris and dylan it's a fantastic question i don't know where we would be if they if it was owned by the city but there certainly is it's a great observation that there certainly is this interesting relationship between ious and regulators and that is part of the problem um i think but uh I don't know. I that would be wild, I would say though. A, a muni like Chris said, we've never seen a bankruptcy like that, a city to go bankrupt. But I would have to imagine that it wouldn't have gotten to this point, right? If this was a government-owned entity, but I I don't know.
2: Yeah, bigger bigger picture, I I hope that I hope and believe that that there are lessons learned from this. Um, we started this conversation with, uh, the, the huge scope of territory that PG&E covers and uh, as a contributing factor to, to why something like this could occur. That as fast as they're modernizing, it wasn't fast enough. As fast as they're investing in, in, um, In monitoring and infrastructure technology that could prevent something like this, it wasn't fast enough. Uh, Perhaps this is the wake-up call, similar to how uh, Hurricane Sandy was a wake-up call for many utilities on the East Coast, that outage management systems needed to be put in place. This needs to be a a clarion call for whatever entity PG&E becomes, and utilities across the country and, and around the globe that uh, transformation should happen faster. We need to find the money, uh, go to the regulators tomorrow with plans for uh, a, a combination of grid modernization and resilient resiliency planning so that, that this doesn't happen. Uh, it can't happen again.
1: And I would just add that, it, I mean, it needs to be faster and, I think it needs to be more thoughtful as well.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, and so those two things do sometimes run counter to each other. Uh, maybe my exhortation to go tomorrow is, is the wrong approach. Thank you for, for, for reeling me back in, Aaron. Uh, yes, a strategic approach, but an expeditious approach is necessary.
0: Aaron, what are, the, what are the biggest lessons other utilities can learn from this sort of cautionary tale
1: few things but as we've been talking through this I think the realization that I'm having Dylan if I were a utility looking at what's happening in California it's that no matter how innovative utilities think they are being or are being I'm not saying that they just think they're being innovative a lot of utilities are being very innovative successfully but it has to be innovation has to be coupled with I guess thoughtfulness. PG&E's
0: equipment
1: sparked a wildfire that disrupted so many people and it was because they were you know unaware of how vegetation or where the vegetation was in in relation to their assets. Where was a tree in relation to my pole which seems so fundamental but I guess it gets it got overlooked in the midst of this huge innovation wave. So it's so important to move forward and be innovative during the digital transformation, but it also is important to be thoughtful and think about all of the things that impact your utility outside of technology. And this is the idea of like sustainable planning, um, sustainable business practices. How are things outside of technology, like the environment, like the community's um, preferences and needs, how are those impacting my utility as well? Um, that's what I would be more, more aware of or be thinking and have top of mind if I were a utility today, kind of witnessing this California situation play out.
2: It's a great point, Aaron, and, and I would say that, you know, with 106,000 miles of trans, transmission and distribution grid, uh, within PG&E service territory, the, it, is, it is clear that the traditional way of vegetation management, uh, workforce asset management, is not going to suffice anymore. It's going to take a, a holistic commitment to digitalization uh, and to using data, using technology to help solve these intractable business problems. Um, I know PG&E was was ahead of the curve for many people when it comes to using technology to, to do vegetation management. It wasn't enough. So
0: more is needed. I think that's a good note to end on because more... Is definitely needed, um, Chris. Thanks for coming back on the podcast to talk about this important issue. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where things go as this story develops.
2: Dylan, I'm happy to do it. This is a this is a tragic topic to discuss. From a personal perspective, uh, it's a difficult topic to discuss from a business oriented perspective. Um, I, I I will try to remain optimistic uh that that you know some sort of positive resolution will come out of this uh, it's It's been a pleasure talking with with both of you today
0: and Aaron thanks as always for being on the show and giving some solid takes.
1: thanks, Dylan. I was really looking forward to this conversation and how it's going to impact the industry. I'm definitely going to to keep an eye on it chris is I like how Chris is talking about how he's going to remain optimistic. I've actually been pretty optimistic through the whole thing. I've been really, I don't want to say excited about this, but I've been very interested in this whole situation because I think, and you know, it was needed. Um, It was needed. It needed something needed to happen to kind of check someone to say, Hey, you guys! These things that you're doing really do impact people. It really does. We've seen, we now have seen this at a national level. Everybody is aware now of how utilities are going to impact our communities. They can see, they can see that it clear. They clearly can have a major impact, a major impact on our lives. And so, it's going to be interesting to see how how we move forward with this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can find our research and media at etsinsights.com. You can find us on social media at D.Y. Lockwood, at Aaron underscore Hardick, at Chris underscore Moyer 13, at Z Prime Research. Uh, my name is Dylan, and we'll see you all next time.